Anyway, hi, hi, folks. This is uh, Jeremy and Jacob chatting again. We are our episode today is chatting with the excellent and fun and optimistic. That's one. I think that's one topic we didn't really cover is they were about how to remain optimistic during all the horrifying uh, modernity going on right now with talking to Jess and Savina from the the local Cannabis Workers Coalition. And we did everything from like chatting about how they got started, what they've seen so far, and yeah, kind of in just the bizarre troubles they've had to deal with and also what kind of the still existing stigma from their particular industry. Favorite workplace injuries. Yeah. And some like less favorites, but yeah, there you go. Anyway, yeah. Also, if folks out there, if you have any, just to get this out, throw this out there instead, we rely on support from you, the listener. Check us out at patreon.com slash giving the mic. If you have any questions or comments or suggestions for future guests or recommendations for Korean places to go to in Portland, feel free to hit us up at giving the mic at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook and Instagram. No, not on Instagram, but on Twitter at giving the mic. And other than that, I think that's I think that's pretty much all we have. So yeah. Anyway, all right, cool. And with with that, here's our show. Enjoy. Welcome back again to Giving the Mic to the Wrong Person. I am your host, Jeremy. With here is Jacob. Say hello to the nice people, Jacob. Hello to the nice people, Jacob. Excellent. And we have some uh, new friends joining us from the, would you say what, recently formed? Somewhat newish? Oh, yeah. Uh, recently yes. formed Cannabis Workers Coalition. We have Savina and Jess. So say hello. Uh, yeah, go ahead, Jess. I'll let you have the mic. <laughs> hello, everybody. My name is Jess, and I go by she her and i'm a i'm the volunteer coordinator and outreach director for cbc hello thanks for having us and uh, my name is sabina i'm the executive director of the cancer's coalition excellent but yes uh, thank you for joining us i i think i i wanted to have you on because i believe savina you were at one of the meetings of the unemployed workers council which i have been a member of and we've been trying to get that off the ground for at least the last year or not. And I found out about you guys through there. And because I now work in the at least one sector of the cannabis industry, I figured it'd be cool to actually have you all on and just to give your history and talk about what you knew about. And we go from there. Can you, I guess we'll, we'll start with the basics. Can you talk about, yeah, just talk about your organization of what you, you know, what do you, what, what do you do? And what got you started, if there was an inciting incident or not? Yeah. Well, I guess I would say, well, first, a little introduction. The CWC is a 501c4 worker center. And there's very, very few worker centers on the West Coast. In Oregon itself, there's one other. But we decided to form as a worker center, labor center, focused on cannabis and hemp workers. We definitely were built in the middle of the pandemic, responding to... The strong emotions, the response to COVID that a lot of workers were unsatisfied with and being deemed essential, but definitely not feeling like it. <laughs> yeah. The, that's, the, that's the thing is that, you know, be, the essential workers usually mean frontline cannon fodder. 
you know, the ones who are most, exp- go, yeah, yeah, we need, we need you to have our basic, our society and its basic functions to happen, but we, we might pay you $2 more an hour for, I don't know, two months until the, the good press wears off and everyone forgets and we just go back to normal. So yeah. Oh my God. Snap, snap to that. Yeah. That's exactly what we saw. <laughs> Were you, was there, I guess, was there a particular incident that kind of, uh, well, I guess, can you, well, can you, uh, can y'all talk about your backgrounds in the, or what led you to setting up a worker, a worker center in this particular, I don't want to make a pun and say this field, but I guess in the, in this particular industry, such as it is. Yeah. Well, I guess I can uh, give you a little bit of my background, what led it, and then I'll let Jess handle us meeting and where we took it from there. <laughs> Sweet. Please go right um, ahead. Yeah, but I would say I've been working in the industry for five years, and before that, I was just a low-wage worker. So very familiar with the abuses and things that go unreported or unnoticed at a workplace. After, I would say, after the murder of George Floyd, the whole nation was, you know, up in arms. And I definitely was a part of that. Very upset, didn't know how to channel it. Mm -hmm. But when it came to the cannabis industry, luckily... This wonderful group, Can Inclusive, reached out to me and uh, had me help them build the accountability list, which was a direct response to uh, the black boxes, if y'all remember that <laughs> from oh, yeah. last summer. Was it a day or was that more of a week thing? I can't remember how long that was supposed to be. It was a day, yeah. Yeah, I, think that I just remember it happening, and, but without, it was one of those things where the actual like parameters of what everybody's supposed to do wasn't the most clear. I don't, I don't know what that is. Do you remember the, it was the day on... I think it was almost like an Instagram thing or something. Maybe maybe it was like all socials where to show awareness slash solidarity, people were switching their their user picks or AVIs or whatever you want to call it to a black box. And some oh. folks some folks still have theirs. But okay, how do, how yeah, that it was go? like the lowest form of action <laughs> that you could do. Yes, almost as much inner, inner, almost as much effort as the Facebook custom frame little like, you know, Chiron adding to your picture or adding a flag for a particular, you know, when a particular tragedy happens. Exactly. I mean, it, there was no action. And so the direct response was to create a open database that logged all of the cannabis companies that are pledging this quote unquote support to black and brown communities and then later going to follow up with them to see actually what became of it if anyone actually did make any uh, movement on those promises or if they were just like those black boxes hollow and empty (laughs) so i mean after doing that that was my first step toward fighting back against something that i thought was like a complete monolith which was the cannabis industry and once you get a taste of that empowerment you want to tell everyone else that you can beat the man that you know you're able to take things into your own hands so then i just really got into researching into cannabis labor rights what rights were afforded to cannabis workers what people didn't understand and i was very surprised to just see more often than not it's just a complete confusion around labor laws because of cannabis federal designation. There's employers in legal states that feel like they don't have to pay minimum wage because those are federal guidelines. And because cannabis is not federally legal, 
it doesn't apply to them. <laughs> so it's just like absurdness and you hear these wild stories. And then that's when I reached out to Jess <laughs> and she, she really, to me was a beacon of light and hope. She's also been working in the industry for a long time. So Jess, I'll let you <laughs> take it from there. Jess, you are muted. There you Dang go. it. Thank you. We edit these things though. So. Oh, that's awesome. You're a wizard. I love it. So, geez, where to start? I've been working in cannabis for about a little a little over a decade now. And I started in California and I had the opportunity to move up here in Oregon. And it really felt like love at first sight, honeymoon phase. Like you just cannot see the wrong in things because as a woman of color and just being where I was at, I just couldn't believe that I was now able to work in the industry and not go to jail and I could pay my taxes. And I was like, well, like this is big, this is big stuff, big deal. But what I started noticing something that I wasn't aware in California, but I became very aware when I moved to Oregon is the discrimination and racism. And not to say that I like, I, you know, experiencing all these things really started to make working in the industry feel really dull and luckluster lackluster, I mean. And I remember distinctively feeling that, well, there isn't an HR for this company that I work for. So my, the C, I, for example, um, the CEO of the first dispensary that I worked at, he was just a bigot and, you know, he was racist and he was just, you know, not apologetic about it. And I remember when he would make comments, I, I was like, I wanted to say something but I was afraid to lose my job. And so I remember Jeez. thinking like, I guess I'll just suck it up and pretend he didn't say that. And, you know, that was just like multiple, you know, just so many issues with working for a mom and pop shop as well, you know. And so when I had the opportunity to move to Oregon and continue working in the cannabis industry, you know, I thought it was going to be different, but I also didn't really know what to expect. And it was just really alarming to me, like the way that as cannabis employees, the way that they're treated, the, the lack of appreciation and the exploitation. And I remember I was ready to throw in my towel because I was like, fuck this and fuck everybody. I'm done because this is not what I thought this was going to be. And I had met Savina at another event and, you know, flash forward, we end up linking up and she tells me about this vision that she has for CWC. And I hadn't heard of anything like it before. And it just really seemed like something that we really needed in the community. And that's actually what got me to stay in the industry. Hmm. And now that we've been working with other organizations and just with other workers on different levels, different positions, it is so mind blowing that it doesn't matter that I was in California but I'm here in Oregon and I'm speaking to these different people from different backgrounds, from different, you are having different experiences, but they're all stemming from the same things, racism, discrimination. You know, people are taking advantage of the fact that you don't necessarily know your worker rights right. so that they can, you know, so it, 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 I have a lot to say. So it, it's just being able to be a part of this is giving my life a sense of purpose because when I when we work with the other workers and, you know, we hold space for them and we verify their experiences, it really breaks my fucking heart 
when I see them kind of like for the first time, maybe they feel safe. And then the phrase that I've heard now is, I thought I was crazy. And so being able to do this work, it's not easy and there's no blueprint for this, which yeah. makes it frustrating, but very exciting. Yeah, we're a lot of, I mean, any sort of, any sort of things in this industry have been legal in Oregon for shit, five, but only five years, less than five years? Yeah, it was uh, legal. It was recreational in 2015. Okay, yeah. So we're still, we're still, you know, we're still in, I would say in an infancy, but there's been such a dramatic boom and like increase. There's so many people that are moving out of state as investors and owners buying dispensaries and like buying it up like a monopoly. Yeah. And it's just really out of hand, you know? Yeah. It's the, the, yeah, the same. I don't know if we've quite hit the, hit the level yet where we're going to have nothing but like private equity uh, vampires descend on and start hoovering up everything. But yeah, it's kind of a thing where once, I mean, we live in a world where now even, you know, Cuomo is effectively forced to legalize it in New York. And I think, I think the Alabama state house just legalized medical. So, you know, things are happening. Yeah, it's a big deal because people can't ignore that cannabis is such a powerhouse. Like, you know, whether it's the black market or not, people are going to find ways to cultivate, grow, and have access to cannabis, whether it's legal or not. That more states are getting on board. However, that being said, there's still so much groundwork that needs to be laid, you know? Yeah. But that's why, you know, again, we are so appreciative that we we get to have this conversation with you because more conversations like this are needed. Mm-hmm. Jacob, anything? Question? This is not a subject that I really know anything about, but it is rather striking to me now that I think about it that the thing that I saw coming up in headlines for a while were stories about how because of the sort of gray legal area that this industry exists in where it's still technically illegal federally, that means that basically a lot of the people who are working in the industry had trouble with banking. So yep. you would sell a bunch of stuff and then you would have to figure out what you would do with the money. And there was a whole lot of concern about this, but it's it's kind of amazing to me now that I think about it that, I mean, logically speaking, there would have to be just a ton of opportunity for uh, employers to abuse their employees. And I have never seen an article about that. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny with the, the in like local news will cover when you have like a robbery at a house or is like some minor vandalism, but you know, say the millions to billions of wage theft that happen in a metro region every year doesn't quite get reported. Funny that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The concern is always, you know, about a Starbucks window that got busted up, but there isn't really a lot of conversations about what the actual Starbucks employees think about anything. Yeah. I, I was just to specify my, my own, my day job is actually far more in it. I don't think it is. It's more legal ish, but it's still plenty of gray area. Cause I actually work in, uh, I work at work, not so, uh, let's say less cannabis, but more, more CBD extraction, mm-hmm. which is much more like the, the industrial side. So although it was one of those things where I think, yeah, even in, on that side where you can go, there are plenty of states or, I mean, I was just in Georgia in the last weekend in Savannah and you can get, again, you know, uh, gas stations will have a little, you know, like I said, CBD stuff that you can, that you can pick up there. Yeah. 
I, I would definitely say, you know, once you start seeing these states open up, it's almost like you can see a pattern. You know, first it kind of starts with the CBD, hemp stuff, get their feet wet. Then comes a little bit of the education, how you can integrate THC and, you know, smoke it maybe, maybe put it in your pot pie, make it real funny. But then what we see, especially from like our website traffic, is we see the headlines of people legalizing and then we see a boom of people coming to our website looking for information on now I'm going to be a cannabis worker. What are my rights? What can I do? Mm -hmm. You know, they're coming from Alabama, uh, Ohio, Massachusetts, like places where traditionally have super weak labor laws. Yeah. You know, we just start seeing this influx. And so it's just kind of crazy. I don't know. It's, it's kind of, it, 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 you know, it just strikes me as very much a, a parallel with everything else of how we have been, you know, kind of this, you know, having a left that has been st trying to reconstitute itself over the last few years and even have to, you know, having to relearn, relearn things from shit, not just decades, but like almost like a century or more ago. And it's kind of a thing like, okay, we have this new, this new mass industry that a lot of people work in and who are, you know, completely unorganized and it's, uh, and are, of course, getting exploited in. And so time to figure out how to do, it's like not only is the industry be, being formed, but at least this time, a lot of people working in it are just trying to, you know, learn ways of, learn ways of organizing too. The, the banking thing especially was like pretty hard hitting because it's very much one of those infrastructural, like less glamorous bits that again don't don't really get headlines because it's kind of a thing where but it's like one of those very you know day-to-day -day, almost like quotidian details because the, the problems you have to solve is like okay well in my case because like i think cbd like, that was of a the you know had like sub minuscule uh, amounts of thc in it was leak was i think effectively legal it was more i think yeah the farm bill went through and it kind of legalized it nationally i think but the all of the major banks were so gun shy about even like this legal non technically non psychotropic substance that nobody wanted to fund it and i think that the company that i worked for had some issues for a while of like just you know being able to process like you know direct deposit paychecks or something like that which just really blows my mind because when you think when you like zoom back and you think about the other headlines like corrupt leaders you know banks that get you know billion dollar bailouts and you know it's just it just it's really mind-boggling how politics and just the lack of education and experience you know a lot of the people that are in these positions of power they probably don't partake or they have a negative association with it which is you know like you're allowed to have your opinion but your experience doesn't define everyone else's experience. Yeah. And, and the, the most important thing is, is that cannabis makes a lot of money. Like we have surpassed like billion dollar bracket here. And for example, here in Oregon last year, amid the pandemic, we had the Oregon, you know, the fires. And for a lot of us, including myself, getting hazard pay was almost like a slap to the face. You either didn't get it, or when you did get it, it was like maybe a month or two at that. Yeah. And then you were expected to continue going on your merry fucking way. Excuse me? Yeah. It's just... If you're lucky, like, here, you have some masks to wear. Oh my gosh, yeah. If Even if that, you know, some places didn't provide PPE. And so... 
it's just so many issues. Like right now, the way that I'm looking at cannabis, the industry and the people who have have a lot of influence in molding, you know, which I I, I feel I'm feeling very hopeful because the conversation is shifting. And I think with more conversations like this and then just more people that are willing to come out and share their stories is mm-hmm. another thing because we're not, you know, again, we're talking about headlines, right? So people can also shine light to these other experiences, which they themselves are headlines, you know, like every person that works in the industry, I guarantee you can tell you a motherfucking crazy story of an experience that they've had working at the dispensary, working at the fucking farm, working for a distro, you name it. Do you have any either? Uh, do you have any uh, favorite stories that you have heard or that you like to tell? Like in a good way or a bad way? Your choice. <laughs> either good weird or bad weird, or you know notable because it was you know notable for being great or notable for being god awful. You want to take this first? Well, I could say I'll start us off with a, an inspiring story. Sure. <laughs> and then Jeff can get weird, no doubt. Well, one of the most inspiring stories I'd say was there was a dispensary out here in Hillsboro. And this was one of our very first workers that we supported. This guy, he was facing some discrimination from his owner, one of the only black people working at the uh, dispensary. There mm-hmm. we go. <laughs> and when we kind of we started organizing a direct action campaign they ended up picketing outside of it and that day when they were picketing the manager and everyone on the floor decided to quit in solidarity and they walked outside wow joined with us and it was so powerful (laughs) hell yeah that's excellent what what was the i guess what was the what was the result of their direct action well funny enough the guy because there was so much pressure the guy he ended up just keeping his job he was like the boss got scared straight. He just started being real, you know, nice to him, you know, giving him more hours. And he was like, he knows if he fires me, he's going to have a lawsuit up the ass. So he's enjoying, he enjoyed his position for a little couple months longer before he found another place. Sweet. Awesome. That's good to hear something actually vaguely, vaguely, uh, you know, something positive happening over the last year. Right. <laughs> Jess, do you, have a, do you have a favorite story or at least one that sticks or one that sticks out rather? One that sticks out rather. So I had this coworker who I, I worked for a distribution company and sometimes they'll ask people from the distro if they want to go work about the farm. I have never been to the farm myself, but I'm thinking about her now and she was up at the farm. She works in distro with me in a different department, but she was working out at the farm and she got her finger cut off. Ouch. Jesus. And, uh, our company doesn't offer health insurance. And at the time, you know, still, we don't have health insurance now. But, you know, I just remember feeling so shook because I was like, what if that was fucking me? You know, and I that had been asked, like, hey, do you want to go to the farm? And I was like, hell no, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> God. Um, it just it didn't work out. I mean, I do want to go to the farm, but it just timing like there was always something going on. And I was like, oh, you're asking me and like, you didn't really give me like you need to give me more than like a day's notice. Like I have things going on, so <laughs> I'm not a slave to this company. And so I just remember hearing them say that, thank God for her mom's insurance. She's under her mom's insurance and this, this and that. And I was just like, God fucking damn, this is something that she's going to be reminded of for the rest of her life. And it's on her fucking ring finger. Like 
you know, or like her like her wedding ring finger. So oh no, <laughs> yeah, jeez. Oh, so and that happened last fucking year. So that's a little extreme, but I think I I mean what I'm really appreciating about the work now is getting to connect with other workers who feel like they don't have a voice or a platform, or more importantly, a lot of places don't have an HR department. Mm-hmm. So they don't really have where they can feel like they can be seen and they can be believed because HR companies don't have your back. Right. They're there to be company. And that's something that I wasn't aware of. I actually was like, oh, like I can tell my heart's content to the HR and they have my best interests. No, they don't. So I think that's what really sets CWC. It's not that we're going to be pinning a company versus the employee, but, you know, we are employees ourselves. So you cannot bullshit us. And it's just one of those things where communication is so important. And I really see that the work that is being laid right now and the efforts and the community, I mean, there's a shift happening, whether people are ready for it or not. And it's it's important that we, even if we don't feel um, like we're ready for it, I think it's so important that we all come together and really voice the things that we, the things that are not working in this industry, because it, it, it is a relationship mm-hmm. and we're all going to bed together. You know, whether you work in the industry or whether, you know, a family member that works in the industry or someone who needs access to cannabis, like we're all interlinked in some way. And so I think that's one of the beautiful things about being part of this industry. And I think Personally, I only have crazy stories to tell, like in terms of this dispensary that I worked at, we got robbed one time and I wasn't there. I was supposed to be there. And for some reason, I didn't end up going to that shift because I have angels protecting me. So they're like, not today, my friend. I was like, word. And then this other time they're like, ah, you're going to get robbed. You're going to be there. But what's so crazy is that (laughs) the when we got robbed the second time, my boss was super proactive. And I like to share the story because it's very different. Well, I don't know if it's just because here in Oregon, like you're monitored up the wooza. The it's just like they have cameras everywhere, and it's not really like a good job where they have like you know on paper it looks like it's a good job where they have the fucking cameras pointing and stuff like that. But no, you just hyper hyper surveilled at all times. Yeah, but that shit doesn't even matter if you're getting fucking robbed. You can't see the person's face who's robbing you and shit like that. Like, and it's pointed in a fucking corner like that it's fucking whack yeah so the second time around that we got robbed and i was present for it this time around my boss was like oh we need to beef up our fucking security as you fucking should because once you get hit once like who's not to say that you're not going to get hit again if you don't beef up your fucking security hello that makes sense of course and so he within a span of a week he had built up a security system where it was kind of like a mousetrap. So you walk in through the, the waiting room, you have to get buzzed in, and then you're kind of like in a mousetrap. You're like in, stuck in a hall. And the only way you can get out is if you get buzzed in and if you get buzzed out. So that was genius. And we also had a security guard who did have a firearm. And that night that he, that there was four men that pulled up we had been closed up for about 15 minutes. And so 15 minutes after we had closed, the, one of the workers that had been present for the first robbery, he was with me at the shift. And I remember where me and him were like in like maybe two more people were in the back and there were some other people out on the floor packing everything up. 
And I just kind of see him looking at our security camera, our TV. And we notice a car that pulls up. And he's like, I don't like how this car is pulling up. I don't like how this car is, like, parking. And then the next thing I, I know is we're getting robbed. And, like, I turn to look at the TV screen. And it's, like, these fucking three dudes jump out of the car with ski masks, duffel bags, shocks in hand. And he had that first line of defense with the security guard. He did fire his firearm. And I think he got one of the guys and in they they realized that they had fucked with the wrong people because how dare you come back, not even within a fucking week, to try and steal again. And it was just like really like I was shook. And we found out that these people, you know, after, you know, we collected ourselves and then we went to go scope out outside to see if it was close, was clear. We found some fucking meth bags. These people were fucking tweaking, ready to rock. And so we had obviously called the police. And when they showed up, it wasn't just one car. It was like three or four cop cars. And they were all taking their leisurely time. Super dicks. We told them what happened. And they're like, well, you're a fucking dispensary. What do you expect? They didn't say it exactly like that. But that was the demeanor. So that's one of the more wild stories. Because, you know, you we're really big on community. And at the same time, not everybody that's part of that community wants part of community. They're watching you. They're paying attention. We're talking about money being in these dispensaries and them not having the access to put all of this money somewhere safe. Yeah. It just doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't make any sense. Like everything is so upside down now. But I mean, that happened in California. Here in Oregon, I don't know how well that would have worked because you cannot make a change to the building that you're in unless you yeah and also when you know when I was working at that dispensary like it wasn't like recreational and I don't know about you know it's different states like different states have different policies and stuff like that but here like you can't just alter the space without asking for permission and like putting it in writing and that takes time so you know last year we did work with or not well we did work with one of the owners who had experienced a recent robbery back in December, resulting in the murder of a bartender. His name is Michael Arthur. And it just really, when that happened, like I immediately was like, that could have been me. And it was, it almost was. So I really took that to heart when that happened. And, you know, not just stories like that, but like when people don't realize how dangerous it is to actually be on the front line, people don't think about that. Yeah, sorry. Don't rambling. No, that no, it's perfect. Is it the? I'm wondering. Is it the? Is it the nature? Is it kind of like the just the assumed associated culture with it that kind of brings the uh, you know the kind of like regular person to, you know who in some cases just either like wants to work retail or just wants to get involved. But I'm just wondering like how much of that is like was that does that work as a detractor and it kind of like it's there that it really kind of like helps the more naive types, you know, kind of come forward just to get involved. Cause like they, Hey, you know, it's, it's like somebody who wants, who really enjoys video games. who wants to go work at a GameStop and doesn't quite realize the day-to-day reality of, of, of chain retail. Well, I, I will, you know, I honestly, I'm not, that's a really good question and a hard question. Oh, thank you. Um, and also I've, I've had a little bit of, I've finished my whiskey by now. And so I'm just swimming in deep thoughts. 
But I will say this. No, we're, we're, we're a show that we pride ourselves in our deep thoughts that are usually in, are conjured up by whatever we're drinking at the time. So please feel free. <laughs> I, you know, the day that there was the, it was for the dispensary Cure Greens where the robbery happened in that area, there was multiple string of robberies and things going on of that nature. And the police didn't really seem to prioritize or have a sense of urgency. And so I just think that there is this stigma of like the drug lord and like we shouldn't be protected because we're kind of like asking for this, which is really fucked up because no one is asking to be shot at work while you're on the clock. Yeah, it's like uh, a bunch of uh, a bunch of guys join the PD who's pretty much their their knowledge of the industry is informed by nothing but endless uh, Miami Vice repeats. Yeah. That second story you told there was it sounded like an injured suspect and they were using a vehicle. That sounds like it would be pretty easy for a professional law enforcement agency to follow up on. Was there any closure to this? Did they actually catch anybody or no not yet i haven't heard any new information on this and i'm pretty sure it's still an open case but i mean it's just so crazy like i've had people while i've been when i was a bartender like i've had people before my eyes try and steal weed from me thinking that they're fucking slick i can't imagine you know being in that situation where someone walks in and they seem so unassuming and unsuspecting, especially when they look like they're a teenager, you know? And so there's just so many issues on so many levels, whether you're working in the hemp industry or you're working in, you know, the cannabis industry, there is so little awareness because a lot of the people that get into business, you know, like they don't, they may have the capital to get invested into this but you know maybe they don't really know how to run a company Mm -hmm. they're just in it and then they don't have the best leadership skills and on top of that if i have to say the number one issue is communication you know the communication is fucking sloppy it's all over the place you don't know what you can and you can't say people like you know again there's some people that are you know it's it's a barrier entry and to finally get your foot in the door why would you jeopardize that yeah so it's it's a catch-22 and it's painful that's rough is there a is there a particular segment of the industry that you find out that you are that you that you focus on covering or does it kind of you know be it either in retail or in agriculture or more of an industrial manufacturer or even like in distribution or is it kind of you kind of you're trying to just do industry wide. Yeah, we're we're pretty well rounded, and that's really the part of coalition in our name. Since we started, we we've been reaching out to not only the OLCC but Oregon, OSHA, you know, Occupational Safety and Health Association, the Bureau of uh, Occupational. Well, or no, Bureau of Labor and Industries, Bully, uh, Oregon yeah. Bully. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not only that, but safety and health organizations throughout the state that have already focused and created training around certain segments of the industry. These are all resources that are already out there. It's just they're so hard to find and no one has took time to 
curate them into one place. So that's really what we've been trying to do is get the safety tools and information for each sector on our website. Gotcha. With the, when working with the more institutional, you know, agencies, have you, have you ever encountered any, uh, kind of like much more like negative reaction to just the kind of business it is? Or is it, or is it pretty much the majority of the people you deal with are pretty much like just kind of like cool and upset, accepting with it? Or is it, or, I, I mean, do you ever, do you ever get a lot, like a lot more, you know, do you ever just get like a lot more shit from, you know, from some, some bureaucrat because of the industry? You know, you'd be really surprised, but I would say a lot of the agencies are really eager to learn about cannabis and the culture around it and just better understand it. And I think it's because there's this moment of unlearning where they're understanding what their parents or grandparents have preached to them or what they've been taught in school was wrong. It's being contradicted daily by new information. Right. Um, and so they're just interested. They, they want to know. I'd say most of the time when we talk to agencies... We're just educating them on cannabis, how it works, the culture of it, so that they can better understand uh, and give us more, you know, helpful support when it comes to actually taking action against employers or educating workers. Excellent. At this point, have you put, have you worked up a, have you gotten good enough at it where you've worked up like a, an intro little, like an, an intro packet? little educational packet that you send if you have to you know you have like okay here i'll send you the packet it's like a pdf with all of the information to somebody new or is it just kind of you just have to like you know talk through somebody new each time you know that's a really smart idea but we did we did recently just get a seat on the cannabis competency subcommittee so we're actually currently working with a portland cannabis policy oversight team cpot to create literally just that kind of like eighth grade reading level, basic understanding of what cannabis is, the history of it, the culture of it. And that's going to go out to all the agencies, public health, also department of um, like child protections and stuff as well. Mm -hmm. uh, Cause there's still a lot of misunderstanding about that when it comes to parenting with cannabis. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a thing of once in a while you still will get, you know, either like local news or Fox News freakouts about uh, trying to like scare up things like, oh, you know, what happens if your kid, if your kid somehow gets a hold of your gummies and their Halloween candy or some weird. Uh, Can I? What's going to happen? And this is assuming in an ideal situation that these kids are not allergic to anything. They'd be like my doggy, which is they'd be fucking like, I can't do anything. What the hell's going on? They'd have to ride the fucking wave and then they'd be OK. Not to compare, you know, chilled, precious angel, angelic children to my doggy, but... But the need to destigmatize it and make it not seem like someone's going to overdose from this, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, it's still a plant. And that's the number one thing that I want people to understand. When people ask me what cannabis is, it's a plant. Let's just start there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're going to go into your yard. You're going to pick your sunflowers. You got your dandelions you have your rosemary oh you know what i think i'll pick a little bit of this blue blue dream because i need to just chill there you go the are are there any sectors of the industry or even like locations in the state that you that you are look you know that you wish you were had better penetration to or like where are you thinking of expanding to if, if you could yes yes i would definitely say south southern oregon that's where all the growers are at and unfortunately, uh, that's where we get a lot of complaints from. 
mostly from you know farm workers and the people out there. So we definitely want to increase our presence in the South or try to connect with more employers that are down there and maybe give them some some tools, some resources that we're just hoping good intentions that they don't have and that they're still acting in good faith. But who knows? <laughs> I believe, yeah, I think that's uh, that Southern Oregon is where, of all people, Jim Belushi bought a bunch of cannabis farms because he does. He uh, he now has as I guess it's actually it's apparently it's in its second season. He has his own like reality TV show set on his Oregon weed farm. <laughs> Love it. Like and during the uh, during the uprising last summer, he was because he would come up to Oregon, he'd flap to Portland to just check out his farms and whatnot. He would be spotted. Just kind of like wandering around downtown, you know, during the protests, just talking to people. It's like, hey, what's going on? What's up? And so like, there were people posting. It's like, yeah, hey, I'm, you know, I'm here, I, you know, explaining, the, you know, <laughs> what what Antifa is to Jim Belushi on like a Thursday night. <laughs> it really can't get more Portland, right? Jacob, do you have any questions? Well, I was the, the, the Southern Oregon thing does kind of make me wonder what, what sort of people might be getting involved uh, just because I remember that there was a story a few years ago where uh, I guess it was a marijuana testing facility where Antifa actually said that the people who were involved with the company, it was OG Analytical, had ties to neo-Nazi groups. It is Oregon. Yeah, well, and I'm wondering if that is uh, something that y'all have run into uh, or encountered or if it's a sort of ongoing concern just like because I, I understand that there there are a lot of rules about who can actually uh, own these sorts of businesses but for some reason that doesn't seem to be the sort of thing they look into no we actually have gone through like the application processing your license and it's pretty cut and dry you pay your fee you write down who it is and you get your license you know they do inspections uh on the field and stuff but it is definitely very cut and dry as to pun not intended yeah pun not intended yeah (laughs) Uh, as to point of you know shady characters in cannabis definitely when you get to like the south and the east i can see that luckily we haven't had Our paths crossed, but we have heard from other labor groups that work with like migrant labor or undocumented workers report of these pop-up farms that will come and go where workers will go, be promised wages, work for a week, and then go in the next day and everything is gone. Everything is gone. How is that possible? Yeah. How does, how does a pop-up farm work? Cause like, I mean, the stuff, I guess, grows quicker than certain things, but. I don't know. It seems like that's that would require like a lot of. Yeah. It's similar to like the Emerald Triangle, how they're doing it. You know, you find your spot, you camp out, and you grow. Uh, it wasn't until they needed to harvest that they would get more workers in there. I'm sure they still had their team that actually helped care for the plants, protect them, guard them. But when it comes to harvest time, when you need the extra labor to trim, hang, all that stuff, that's when they would bring these workers in and then promise pay and never get it. That sucks. Yeah. Yeah, the power of documentation in this industry is, like, super important. That is a superpower. Mm. That's great. Do you have any, have you had any recent actions or you have any, like, upcoming events that you are either you were really happy about before or that you're really jazzed about coming up? Yeah, let's see. Well, we have an event and kind of a, a notice that I'd want to put out as well that I think would be perfect for here. But 
I'll start with our event because that's fun. <laughs> but our event is coming up May 16th. Uh, we're going to be handing out free cannabis grow kits. So you can get a pot, uh, a pot seed, and some potting soil. So um, that's going to be 11 a.m. at Somewhere PDX over in the Pearl District. Uh, so come join us for that. Woo woo. And, and that's on, that's on oh. May 16th? May 16th. Sunday, May 16th. That's okay. Right, at 11. Thank you. Uh, Jess, you were saying? Oh, I'm sorry. I was just screaming rudely. It's free 99. Yeah, so if you've been wanting to get your fingers dirty and you want to touch that sweet, sweet cannabis steed, now's your time, baby. Excellent. Oh, yeah. Well, I know that I have a definitely have a deadline for uh, editing and posting this thing. So yeah, Jacob, anything, anything more? Well, getting touching briefly on what we were discussing earlier, what would you say are the like you know biggest issues that workers in this industry face? Like, if you had to make a list of top three, for example, um, I will sexual harassment. Okay, but from the customers that come in to buy the product or whether you are meeting with a vendor or whether that is your supervisor and not feeling like you can or not knowing how to move forward and like addressing that without the food. So it's kind of at all levels, huh? Like not even, not just like inside the company, but also like customer base and other business people you interact with. Jeez. Sorry for, sorry to interrupt. Yeah, no, no, no worries. I'll say that's for sure. I would say a big problem. Let's see. I would say following up to, uh, and we were touching on it a little bit, is just discrimination in banking. You know, businesses face it, but you don't think workers face it. And I've heard of people having their accounts closed after deposits have been made from their dispensary name, LLC, people being rejected for loans, uh, home loans, auto loans. People don't realize that working in the industry, you also kind of take on a level of liability and Mm -hmm. risk. So definitely want to get that out there. It's not so fun, sunshine, hippie rainbows. Actually, that is that, that is an interesting point of, I guess you, you don't, have you had, when doing like basic education, of not like not just the businesses, but also maybe some of the employees, because I guess it's this definitely is one of the circumstances where even when you do get kind of like, you know, sunshine, fun time hippies, uh, work, you know, getting involved there, it's kind of, it's almost like it seems like you wouldn't have to do much to much to radicalize them after they've had you know enough bad experiences. It's kind of like you know the reality takes care of that. Yeah, I would definitely say the reality of working in the industry. Well, either does two things: people get really fed up about it and they quit and move to other industries or out of the state entirely, or you just deal with it, you know, kind of like Jess is saying. Unfortunately, there's this huge fear of being black, blackballed, or I don't know, mm. <laughs> black, black book. I don't know the best word for it. No, blacklisted. Blacklisted. Of being blacklisted in the industry, and I've actually seen it happen, you know, wow. to my husband. You know, he, you just do something as simple as standing up for yourself, decide not to take whatever petty shit at work and then word flies through that this is a riley worker and that they'll give you problems and not to hire them because they're loud or obnoxious or whatever usually underlying racist term they want to use speaking of like yeah yeah trying to come combat kind of like shitty uh, industry designations all that have you had anything have you hooked up with any more say prominent like local like leftist organizations like either like dsa or iww about trying to 
either trying to scale up or trying to organize some people or trying to do some actions together. We've had some conversation with like UFCW down in Salem. The only reason why we drew back from that was because near the beginning of our founding, we were helping some workers over in Illinois when they were organizing with Green Thumb Industries. It was actually pretty big in the cannabis union news you know, vain if you're into that. But while he was organizing, he got to see firsthand, you know, the wobblers come in UFCW and just the way that they would kind of manipulate some stuff or, you know, make false promises or one-upping each other. It kind of left a salty taste in our mouth. So we're all down for rank and file unionism Mm -hmm. or, you know, just coming together as a collective as much as you can legally without, you know, breaking the NLRB, but AFL-CIO unions were a little hesitant on. I would love to kind of re, you know, reestablish that relationship and see what it could be like, but I've seen it fail too many times. <laughs> well, that's too bad. You know, I was just wondering, like, at some point, what uh, what point of, I don't know, I don't, not necessarily industry maturation, but what, maybe even, like, just called the cultural development where the push for more either labor organization or even, like, People getting more and more folks getting into, say, like, you know, worker cooperatives really starts uh, taking off again. Well, I really think, you know, it starts with the education and knowing that people can get together in numbers. I know Have a Heart organization, if you guys remember them, they started in Seattle, but they moved down to Oregon in, I think, 2016, kind of right when the uh, market flipped. But they were the first dispensary down here to unionize. So we actually did have a couple of cannabis union shops, but they didn't last long. (laughs) For one reason or another, I think it was like six months after they unionized, all the locations closed. And then it's been pretty silent on the front ever since. Was it just because of like the uh, commodity price crash or something or because everything got flooded? Probably. I mean, I can totally see that. And I got to uh, peep at their union contract and what they were promising was really, you know, great wages um, at the time, it was like $16 starting out, which is like $5 more than minimum wage and promising yearly raises. So they had really great stuff. But I think maybe for maybe that company, it was just uh, over promising, maybe. Not too bad. Jess, you are muted. Dang it. You don't realize how much money it costs to get your permits and get the building and pay the rent and yeah. all of that, you know? which is something that obviously you need to consider, but it takes a long time to cultivate a really great, passionate worker. And those people are worth holding on to because they literally are the reason why CEO pockets are being filled. People don't go newsflash people. If you go to any fucking dispensary anywhere, you're going to find the same fucking product. Maybe some places lowball and they have like, it's cheaper by like five to $10, which When you're looking at the market, that's not something that you also want to do, but that's neither here nor there. It's more of a, God damn it, I lost my train of thought. I got really heated. Talking about uh, cultivating the, cultivating the worker and, and effectively, you know, labor, labor creates all value. It, it really does. And I mean, I wouldn't be who I was if I wasn't, you know, I had some really, I worked with some really fantastic people. And then when it came time to grow, you know, they really helped me with my work ethic and my professionalism and my ability to not just do customer service, but do it really well. And in a 
very like authentic and human, like humane way. You know, like people are coming in here for for the weed, which they can get anywhere else. But maybe you remember their name. Maybe you look them in the eyes and you don't rush them and you ask about their day. Yeah, I'm just. You, oh, no, I'm sorry. sorry. I, I'm just I'm just flashing back to the 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 line of the, the, the line from office space. People can get a cheeseburger anywhere. OK, they come to tchotchkes for the atmosphere and the attitude. OK, that's what the flair is about. It's about fun. Yeah. Or something that Absolutely. Is. That is that is definitely the motto. And and it's and it's so true. They come they come for the flavor and the fun. Awesome. How do how do people how would people get involved either or get involved or if they wanted to support you guys, how can you know, how can they go about doing so either if they are currently working in the industry or just I guess just worker supportive? Like what's what's like the what are the best ways they can go about that? Probably best spot is our website. So cannabisworkerscoalition.org. That's where we house our Know Your Rights Guide. Uh, any worker anywhere in the United States can read that and instantly understand what their basic rights are working in cannabis. Mm-hmm. We also, right now, what I'm really excited about is if, if you are a worker who has experienced some bullshit and you need some emotional support and you need a place to to be seen, to feel heard, and to be accepted and understood. We are currently accepting applications for our emotional, our worker support program. We're going to be working with a coach and other professionals to, you know, provide a space where we can navigate and heal our experiences working in toxic workplaces. And that is also totally free 99. Excellent. That should help. All right, I'm coming to the end of my questions. Uh, Jacob, do you have anything? I gotta ask, what's going on in the crypto space with weed? Any moves going on there? Anything happening? I know there's like a weed coin and a hemp coin, but I don't know if they're actually like any good or not. I can't speak to that directly, but that's definitely been one of the many solutions to the banking crisis in cannabis. At the same time, our... Oregon Senator Jeff Merkley, he submitted the safe banking bill, which did pass the House and it's on its way to the Senate. So we might we might see an end of cryptocurrency and cannabis relationship for now, but maybe it might come back. Aww. Gotcha. All right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> hey, why not take a little take a little risk? That's what makes it fun. Hmm. Oh yeah. All right, great. I guess just wrapping things up, the only thing we have for a regular segment on our show, well, first, before we get into that segment, are there any any topics that we missed that y'all, that y'all wanted to uh, get into or, or at least touch upon? I did, if I could, just make that one notice to organ workers. Feel, shout yeah, out, feel, shout out. Yeah, feel free. Go for it. Oh, okay, you're yeah. Here. If you work in cannabis and are in Oregon, and if you received a notice of liability from the Department of Revenue... Please reach out to us. We've heard that many employees are being targeted for unpaid marijuana taxes that their owners didn't pay. And I can imagine a lot of workers are scared and have no fucking clue how to go about this. So we're working with a law team to help write appeal letters. And, you know, we just don't want anyone to get screwed over. Right now we're working with two workers who are liable for over $3 million in unpaid taxes. Holy Um, shit. Jesus. Yeah, and that's actually like a law here in Oregon where it's 
you know, oh, you're you're on, you're muted. Yeah, so you you really yeah uh, you you don't have to mute yourself. Feel free to laugh on mic, but. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, you can unmute yourself. Well, essentially, essentially it's, you know, this is something that was really shocking because I wasn't aware of that. You working within that organization can be held liable for unpaid tax money. And that just doesn't really make sense. Like if you're not making any financial decisions yourself as an employee, like, so it's just, it's really alarming that this is even a reality because holy shit. $3 $3 million makes me just dance and not in a good way. It's just spazzing out. Like, what the... Mm. Well, yeah, it's just, just you know, it inspires laughter. It's like, ah, you know, good luck collecting that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Jesus. Okay, so if... But what... And the best place to... They do want to get in touch with you is probably, I'm guessing, through your website. Through our website and through our social media as well. We have a lot of people reach out through our DMs, you know, if they need support or if they need someone to talk to, that's always encouraged. And then on our website, we actually have a, uh, a place you can go and it's called the anonymous, anonymous hotline. Mm-hmm. And basically you can come there and if you've experienced, you know, something that just really was disturbing and you need someone to talk to, but you don't know where to go. You don't know who you can talk to. You can talk to us. You can stay anonymous on this form. You can tell us about your experience and you can give as much or as little information, but at least it's there. So someone knows what's going on and that is available. And then, you know, Savina is really amazing about reaching out. She or myself will go ahead and make contact. If you leave your information on there again, no pressure. It's just something that we want people to know that that's there. Excellent. Yeah, and please send me what your social accounts are, so I'm not going to add those to the show notes. Or you just awesome. what what are your what are your what are your social no- accounts here? You know, might as well give give them an audio form. Yeah, so you can follow us on Instagram. It's Cannabis Workers Coalition, and it's one word and no spaces or anything like that. Like what is it? Underscores or anything like that? Gotcha. It's just one word. Workers Coalition. Sweet. All right. Well, let's see. Like, I don't have any more questions. I'm Jacob. I guess you're you're out of them too, or yeah, I'm good. Yeah, a bit. Okay. The only thing we have for a regular segment on the show is recommendations and endorsements. Do you have anything you would that you have been digging on lately that you would like to let other folks know? Savina, you. Oh, there you go. I think. Wait, uh, your mic's off, and Jess, you're muted too. Stoners. So I would say that we definitely would love something that we are would love to highlight is the Oregon Cannabis Equity Act. So this this is really important because they are they are invest so there's community reinvestment, there's free automatic expungement, equity licenses, new governing body led by black, indigenous, Phoenix individuals, and basically this is something that is aiming to repair the harm that has been caused by the war on drugs and, you know, the impact that it's had on, you know, BIPOC and marginalized communities. And I, this is something that Oregon really needs right now. And everybody who is able to vote this in is going to benefit from it. This is you know, this is a holistic approach in being able to heal and repair the harm and the damage that has been caused. And it's it's educational. 
it's very hands-on and we just wanted more people to be aware of this as well. Excellent. Sabina, does your, do your mic, does your mic work yet? No, you might, you're going to have to, uh, that is a no. <laughs> She's mouthing something to the camera. Uh, Jacob, do you have anything to recommend? I watched Shadow and Bone on Netflix, and I thought it was pretty good. It's got a whole Russian fantasy mixed in with some other cultures thing going on. And there's uh, very cute people in all of the roles. There's cute girls, there's cute boys, and they're doing magic. And it's a good time. I really enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. Ooh, you have magic. Yeah, if you're jonesing for some good, you know, fantasy stuff i would recommend it that's great i've been listening to this album by this artist his name he goes by the name of Londrell, and it's just been really helping me feel grounded and centered it's almost like meditation without it being meditative it's it's really beautiful and it's been what i've been jamming to highly recommend y'all what's do you happen to know what the uh, album name is you know, the album name, ooh, I've just kind of been flipping. Th- I just uh, recently got introduced to Londrell, and let's see. I think the album is called Stay Free. Yeah, Stay Free. It came out in 2020, and it is amazing. Sweet. Stay Free by Londrell. Mm-hmm. That's great. I will recommend – who will I recommend? I'll recommend the new uh, – there's an – there is a new Dinosaur Jr. album out that's pretty good. Also, I'll say check that out. Also, I recommend visiting the town of Savannah, Georgia, where I did. I And also checking out the nearby Tybee Island, where we went to because my brother got married there. And we were fully vaxxed and traveled. And it was a hell of a time. And it's kind of cool being. It's very interesting to go to like another part of the country where you have much like Portland, which is kind of like this grid laid out city built out of a forest to go to the south and and visit a city that is, you know, a grid layout carved out of a forest. So that was a very good time. That's so beautiful. You said Savannah, Georgia? Yeah, Savannah, Georgia on the on the uh, on the east coast. Very uh, cool. Okay, I guess that is pretty much that's pretty much all I have for today. Uh, you guys give you you give your contact info, I believe. So, other than that, I think that is any does anyone have any final words? Stay lifted and smoke weed every day. Smoke weed every day. There we go. You, you. <laughs> All right, cool. Excellence. And with that, we are out. All right, excellent. Well, thank you very much for joining us. It was a great get to finally uh, meet you and had a great little chat. Hopefully I'll be able yeah. to uh, turn this around quick enough. Yes. So. We appreciate you and thank you for all that you do. And thank you for being fucking hilarious. I was a little nervous. And I'm not going to lie. Y'all are fucking hilarious. Oh, thank yeah. you very much. You were fine. You should start your own podcast. <laughs> I mean, might as well. There's a, there is, you know, it's, there, there, every industry has its own industry specific, you know, podcast line. So, and it's like pretty much all you need are, you know, a couple mics, some headphones, and, to, you know, enough money to either learn how to use Audacity to edit your stuff or pay somebody like 25 bucks to cut together a little bit of audio. So, and there you go. It's a, it's effectively the modern version of, you know, I always described it as a modern version of blogs and zines and punk bands and live journal. And CB radio, all kind of mixed together. So I love that. 
So it's fine. Uh, you know, Sabina, we might we might need to we might need to jump on we might have to join y'all. <laughs> but okay, cool. All right, with that, I will uh, catch you all later. Jacob, stay in line so we can do the little like wrap up. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much. We appreciate y'all. See you next yeah. time. Yep. See you later. next time. Later.